0: Hey Bath family, it's Nkiru here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much and welcome to the Bath family. If you're a returning listener, you know that I love you dearly and I appreciate your ongoing support. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform as well as on our YouTube. It's free. And if you'd like to support our podcast financially with a one time or monthly contribution of a dollar or more, please visit anchor.fm forward slash B-L-D-G, Africa's future forward slash support. You can also find more details about that and more in our show notes or by following our Instagram page at Future. B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G, Africa's future. As usual, I invite you to join the conversation and you can start by sharing this episode and our podcast with anyone that you think might enjoy it. Thank you so much once again, and happy listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another conversation from the diaspora, a Building Afri- Africa's Future podcast. Once again, this is your host, your sister, and your friend, Kiru. And I'm joined today by Kweku Essien. He serves as the chief commercial officer for SESO Global, a blockchain-based uh, tech platform he served as the business analyst for Conroe's corporation for five years to aid in the development and facilitation of the company's interests and projects in sub-saharan africa mr essien also served as the lead coordinator for giants of africa in ghana giants of africa is an organization founded by toronto raptors uh, gm masai ujiri with the mission to use basketball as a means to educate and enrich the lives of the youth of africa using basketball as a tool Mr. Essien graduated from University of Toronto with an honors bachelor's degree, specializing in political science and economics. So, um, quickly, just wanna say uh, thank you for being here today. And if you would just say a few words of hello to our our listeners and our viewers. Yeah, no,
1: thank you very, very much for the opportunity. And uh, I'm really grateful uh, uh, to be here. Uh, um, Yeah, thank you. And uh, welcome to everybody on our podcast. And uh, yeah, happy to, happy to be here, happy to be here for sure.
0: Yeah, thanks again, Kwaku. I know it's been a long time um, coming as we were discussing earlier. Um, so just really brief- briefly, because you know, as you know, the podcast is centered on the experience of the African diaspora. If you would just you know, tell our listeners and our viewers uh, where you are from in the African diaspora and where you currently reside. Yeah, I'm born and raised in Ghana, uh, uh, but lived a long time in,
1: in Canada and Toronto. Uh, and uh, i live mostly in ghana but i also frequent toronto as well
0: awesome awesome so i guess if you can just start by telling us a little bit more about your diaspora experience your diaspora story when you first you know came to canada because actually you're the first person that i've interviewed on my show that's from canada so i'd love to kind of hear about the african diaspora experience in canada yeah no awesome yeah so as i said i was was born and raised in ghana but for high school i did
1: about some boarding school for one year in canada in a place called hamilton uh in in canada uh and then from there went to university of toronto where i I did my 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 bachelor's there uh uh for a bit great school uh um nice people in canada as well uh and uh, i I, i said canada is you know very much a uh, you know a lot of the stereotypes can be true very nice people uh very relaxed uh um and uh um for the most part it's 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 a place where the, there is a lot of opportunity here as well to you know get ahead uh, but i will say it's at the end of the day it's not home i, I was as i was telling you you know i uh, <laughs> i was uh, uh the first time i ever saw snow was in was in canada and you know, I used to think I loved the air conditioning in Ghana, and Ghana is a little hot. Uh, it's, uh, it's like the air conditioning. So I thought I'd be okay in the cold, but I, I can't. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think like I was telling you, uh, I'm home is home. And, and the, the weather does remind you that you're not home at the end of the day. Uh, but for the most part, very, very nice
0: place. That's awesome, Kweko. Thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, I know, um, you know, I think for many of us, and I think, I know we probably discussed it at different points, when I first came here, you know, with my my siblings and my parents, it was a different world. Like what we're seeing now in terms of like how we grew up and, um, you know, being African in the diaspora wasn't as cool or as, you know, yeah. as it is, you know, yeah. in today's yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know for many of us, I mean, I don't know, you know, and again, please feel free to kind of tell us a bit more about it. Like with my upbringing, my dad was very like pro-Africa, you know. From an early age, he would always tell us about, you know, just African, you know, Africanness in general, both continental Africa as well as, you know, the African diaspora. Uh, well, yes, African diaspora, but specifically African American experience. And so we we were taught to like appreciate all of that, and um, so, but we were also, you know, very, you know, self aware of, you know, where we we're coming from, our cultural heritage, and everything else like that. So I would love to, I guess, to hear from you, like, how was that for you growing up, like, how involved were you in like maybe learning about your heritage or like at what point did you start to appreciate you know that part of your background
1: yeah great questions so you know as a youth in Ghana I'll say for the most part you know like most youth I I really just wanted to get out of there you know see the world Uh, especially you know go to the United States you watch a lot of movies uh uh, you listen to a lot of music uh from the states and and that's where you want to be right and so uh I'll say that is probably even still true now with a lot of you know youth on the continent but it's 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 a true story for most right and um i will say of course you do find that the grass is is not always greener elsewhere uh and for me where that started off was you know i I, after school i worked for a a family office a kenyan family uh um um, who are well-to-do and looking to do a lot more in um in sub-Saharan Africa, especially in East Africa, Uganda, Rwanda, Kenya, uh, in South Africa as well, in, in different sectors as well, in you know, agriculture, infrastructure, technology. And uh, um, I remember our first um, project was going to be in Rwanda, and so I was set to go to Rwanda myself. And I have to say, you know, I was, I mean, I'm not—I'm I'm ashamed to say it, but I was, I was very, very skeptical about going to Rwanda. You know, we've watched the movies, uh the movie at least you know, about rwanda and you know we've heard the stories and uh you know i just didn't quite understand why we were going here right but they i i they got me to read some books you know and i i learned a little bit more about you know country uh um um by understanding the history and also understanding what they were doing there on the continent and i must say though it still didn't quite hit me until i landed there and realized wow like you know, they they did all of this you know years removed from the genocide you know they were able to get the country to this level um and i think that's what really sparked it for me you know the love the real love for the kind going to rwanda and understanding you know the blessings that we do have on the continent which are actually massive like plenty you know you you realize it at a certain point and um Um, understanding that and understanding that, you know, a lot of our issues are man-made, you know, it's not some, you know, uh, um, supernatural uh, uh, um, issues. These are all man-made issues that can be solved by man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you, you you go to Rwanda, you very much understand that because when you think about where they were and where they are now, that literally it, it was man-made issues that got them into their genocide and it was man-made, sort of uh, uh, man-made, problem solving you know that got where mm. they are and so um that for me really sparked you know the the the, the embrace of, of the continent realizing you know what, what we really have there
0: yeah quickly i love the fact that you said that you know that embracing of the continent and, and embracing of you know what it is that we can do for ourselves and like you said a lot of times the problems that we have as africans in many cases um is because of you know just a lot of different things politics and just us not working together and not you know wanting to build together which is something that's you know very unfortunate but i love the fact that you did address on the fact that you know we can us you know provide actionable solutions i guess to these issues that we you know sometimes bring about ourselves so i guess that leads perfectly into you know your business so if you i do i do have this in the background just for um you know, those who would watch this later um, and for those who will be listening later, you can find this on uh, uh, Kweku's YouTube channel, which I believe would be Cecil Global. Yes. And I'll include all of that in the show notes. Um, but Kweku, if you can just, I, mean, I guess, share, you know, for those who would be watching or, you know, who would listen later. Tell us a little more about, you know, what's what we're seeing in the background and tell us more about your, your business. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, and what
1: you're seeing there is actually a, a Ghana property investment tour that we, we've put together. We put to get two of them together last year and are looking to do a lot more of them. And so you can find some of that information. Perhaps I'll send you the link on that. And uh, um, really what SESO is, uh, for those in the States, we like to call ourselves the Zillow of, of Africa. Um, and, hmm. uh, um, um, really what that means is that we really just want to be a, uh, an ecosystem player and really a source for verified property, right? One of the issues on the continent, which you know has a massive land mass, you know, you can fit, you know, United States, Asia, you know, Europe into Africa. You can, I mean, China, you can fit China, the United States and Europe. All into Africa, right? It's that big of a continent. There's that much land, but it's underutilized. And one of the issues, one of the reasons for that, you know, um, is the fact that we, there isn't a lot of trust in 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 that sector, right? A lot of people have been scammed. There've been lots of fraud, you know. And we've heard all the stories, right? Even family members defrauding their own family. Like we've heard all the the stories, and that uh, really creates a perception that is very hard to, to, um, you know, to, 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 kill, to, to, to stop. Right. Uh, and, uh, and it's what's led us to this point where uh, real estate is not really the number one source of wealth for, you know, a lot of Africans. It should be. I mean, that's the case all across the world. You know, real estate is where wealth is created uh, and we have a lot of it and we should be utilizing it. And so um, really my once that clicked for me that's when i really understood that this was this is the opportunity right because like water and air you can't live without the land you know it's 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 such an obvious thing to say sometimes you know it's, it sounds so obvious but it's, it's it's so true right and so uh um for, for what we do at Cecil, you know the simple and short of it for most customers out there uh, we have 15,000 verified units, you know, worth a combined $3 billion of, of real estate assets on our platform. For any individual who's out there looking to purchase property in Ghana and Nigeria and, you know, shortly in South Africa as well, uh, um, we are your guys. We can assist you through the whole process uh, and we work we work with lawyers, banks, surveyors, property management companies as well so as to provide you that full suite of you know, uh, uh, um, options through that, that transaction to that life cycle. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, in like in a nutshell what we do.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot of, uh, great information that you just provided. And I think one thing that you, you know, touched on, which I know for many of us, as you, as you rightly said, for those of us in the diaspora, there's this very big issue when it comes to trust, as you said, like, sometimes it's hard to trust like your, you know your relatives. You might have one uncle or one auntie that you gave some money and somehow when it's time to, you know, when you're looking forward to that property or that whatever it was, you go home or you find out that, oh, you know, uh, we needed the money for food or we needed the money for some other issue. And it's very frustrating and it's very challenging, as you had mentioned, like to really, you know, trust in these institutions back home. Um, In many cases, they are just, you know, family or um, you know, somehow, you know, some other connections that we have. So I would love to kind of maybe get some more information from you as, as to how do you build that trust, um, both with your clients, as well as, um, you know, with organizations that you've partnered with, I'm sure it's was taking some time. So how did, how did all of that start? Like how did the conversation start? How did you kind of over time, you know, build this, I guess, trust, if you can touch more on that, on that.
1: Yeah, no, great, great points. So, um, uh, for for us, um, we wanted to start with, um, on both sides, the so low-hanging fruit. So um, we work with, we're a B2B2C business, which is like a business-to-business-to-customer business. And so uh, our, our core clients are, you know, in a lot of senses, real estate developers. And so we decided to target real estate developers uh, um, who are, you know, uh, corporations that have bought up land, land, done the due diligence on the land, you know, a lot of hard work to ensure it's, it's, it's all good. And I've then sort of built up, you know, units on there and, uh, uh, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of units, as you can see on the screen, right, depending on the location. And so it's easier for us to do due diligence on these type of companies, right? It's easier to go check their company registration documents, you know, check the land title documentation, et cetera, right, to, to just to, to vet it, right, Be, before it's put on a platform. Uh, and it's much easier than, you know, talk uh, talking to individuals and trying to figure that out. That's something that we're trying to get to uh, as, a, as a company, but we're not, We were at, at least at the early stages, uh, it was not possible. And so we picked that low-hanging fruit. These are people who are looking for diaspora, which I believe are also a low-hanging fruit as well. There's a lot of folks in the diaspora who want to purchase, but are just, you know, put off by the whole process, scared, you know, or scarred by past. Transactions. And so, you know, on both sides, uh, 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 we, we're seeking to create that trust. And so we now have also lawyers on the platform, you know, um, who you can utilize, or we even ask our clients, you know, you can still use your lawyer, a lawyer if you want, get a lawyer to sort of check and vet the properties, you know, at the end of the day, because it's better to be safe than sorry. It's a massive transaction. And so even then within that process you know we're bringing lawyers into the conversation to ensure everything is on the up and up and very credible right and of course uh, at the end of the day it's executed and, and providing good service and so you know we're getting lots of referrals now which is great you know obviously early on it was much harder to to get that up and running but referrals show that you know people like the process that we provided them you know and are happy to to share with others share with others uh and then obviously then it makes it was you work towards getting, you know, partners like a, a Echo Bank Republic Bank. These are big banks you know, in, in, in West Africa uh, who are your partners. It then it then breeds more credibility. Right. So, you know, credibility breeds more credibility. And so that's how we've built it over time. Uh, and uh, I think it's working out for us well now. And so uh, we're, we're going to just continue to do it, to do that the same way.
0: I love that, Kweku. I love that. I mean, I think that's just so beautiful, you know, when it comes to, you know, the role that the African diaspora plays, you know, in building, um, you know, bridging our communities, both, you know, continental Africans and then those who, you know, like like you and I who do live in the diaspora and then, you know, in a greater conversation, you know, African Americans or Afro-Caribbeans and other, you know, Africans in different places in the diaspora who are more I guess, far removed than we are in terms of, um, you know, generation and other things that, you know, we're aware of. So I guess talking about that, or maybe getting to that point, can you talk a little bit more about, I guess, the surge of the African diaspora, you know, uh, particularly with African-Americans either moving or considering relocating to um, Africa, specifically Ghana. um, If you can talk about, I guess, the year of the return and the, the Black Panther effect. I know, you know, once that movie came out, so many of us, you know, continental Africans as well as African-Americans, um, you know, so many people were just, you know, it was a movement. And if you can, I guess, talk more about that and how that relates to, you know, everything that you're doing, what you've seen, you know, on ground and everything else like that.
1: Yeah, no, excellent. So uh, really what has um, happened, especially in Ghana, but it's happening all across the continent as well, is, is this big shift, this move back to, uh, uh, um, to to the content uh, and it's been trickling over time. And of course it happened, you know, uh, uh, Marcus Garvey sort of uh, uh, asked uh, blacks to go back, but obviously stalled a bit. And what happened uh, with the year of return, I think was, you know, was a pretty, you know, uh, um, uh, extraordinary thing where, you know, the government did take some initiative, uh, um, some initiative and, and really asked you know welcomed uh uh the diaspora back right and um it was an initiative that was created actually by a, an african-american it was brought a proposal brought forth by an american african-american uh and for those that don't know the year year of return is 400 years since the end of slavery it was meant to celebrate uh, uh that that occurrence um and it was a way to sort of ask people to come back and um it was it's been very successful i must say Ghana I I was not a tourist country until you know 2019 and then all of a sudden you know it's it's now become you know I mean for me it's always December has always been fun but now it's you know it's it's a a whole it's a movie really in a lot of ways what what occurs in Ghana in December right Uh, and so you're seeing a lot of eyeballs on the con you've seen obviously social media and people posting posting it all, all, all over the place and what that has done now, uh, for us has been, it's been very instrumental for our business, especially. And so even that video you saw there, the tour, uh, are all, uh, all African-Americans who've never been to Ghana before, but were willing to join a tour focused on real estate in Ghana. Right. And, um, I'll tell you one interesting story. One of our clients, uh, who actually even became an investor in Sesso actually himself, a Brooklyn couple never been to 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 ghana uh, 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 i sort of never been to ghana no family from ghana uh, uh husband uh um is pretty much african-american you know uh, ancestors were, were slaves and then uh, uh the other lady is, uh, is from the caribbean so they, they've never been to ghana before but uh um you know he the, the husband uh, was, was very funny he was like uh, he had no interest in living in ghana Um, You know, he was pretty much said negative percent chance to go live in Ghana, but his wife, uh, um, you know, would watch a lot of YouTube videos. And that's actually how she found us, you know, through some of our YouTube marketing Uh, uh, and just watching Ghana, watching all parts of the continent, but deciding to hone in on Ghana uh, and learn a lot about it. And they decided, you know, they would come to Ghana for about a week and, you know, check it out and see if, hey, this is the place, you know, they want to be be at and uh you know the husband you know said he went from your negative all the way to 90 percent or so within a week he decided hey you're you're gonna stay here and nice he bought a three hundred thousand dollar penthouse and uh you know they've been living there ever since really this since this past year and so it's it's these extraordinary things happening and there's a lot more of it happening folks looking to retire back in the cons because it makes sense in a lot of ways I don't know mm. how much money you have. You can buy a land bill yourself or buy an apartment unit or buy a, a standalone uh, uh, by the beach, you know, perhaps, right? Yeah. Yeah. All of all of that being said is, and, and again, I take it back to the gentleman husband. He said, you know, even if, you know, they were to go, all, all his business died down, which it didn't. He could work from home, actually. So he's not even fully retired yet. Uh, uh, but um, even if all his business died out, you know he could live with his savings eating rice uh, uh uh for the rest for the rest of his life because you know he's bought his home you know with cash and uh no one is going to uproot him from it from his place. he can always he always has a home right so um your, your your dollar does stretch quite a bit for those looking to retire and that's actually what has driven a lot of and i think that's where you know right now ghana is situated as a party play, town but i think it's going to turn a little bit into what Miami is, which is, or Florida, let me say is actually in the sense that, you know, parts are party central, but then a lot of Florida is also just retirement central as well. A lot of people looking to retire. There, and I think that's, what's going to happen to Ghana. I, I bet it's going to be a bit of both.
0: I, I really love, um, the perspective that you offer, because again, obviously you are on ground, you you work closely with these people and I just think it's beautiful, just in general, um, and quickly, I don't know how familiar you are with like you know my passion as it relates to the podcast, but I I'm really passionate about you know the African diaspora in general, but especially for you know like I mentioned earlier for the African American the or the Afro Caribbean or the Afro Latino and these other you know populations who are you know a little bit more removed than we are because we are continental Africans even though we do live you know in the diaspora currently. Um, I just love when they're able to make these connections, you know, whether it's taking a DNA test or or just maybe choosing a country in Africa, you know, maybe West Africa specifically or just anywhere and taking the chance and just going out there, whether it's to um, just visit, try the food, meet the people, connect, you know, on a more spiritual kind of level, um, you know, learn the language. Like there's just, it just touches me in a different way. I, I love seeing that. And I love the fact that you've you know, you are helping to kind of provide that for them. Because I think for many people, you know, as you were saying earlier, like, you know, with traveling or retiring, you know, it's one thing to kind of go somewhere and just, you know, okay, I'm just, you know, relaxing. I'm just, you know, whatever. It's another thing to see this place as, you know what, I've lived my entire life in, you know, this part of the world, or my family for however many generations has been in the U.S. or wherever. Why not, you know, spend, you know, the remaining you know, parts of my years after I finish, you know, the hustle and, you know, whatever of everyday life to retire, you know, in Africa. I think that's, that's so beautiful. I mean, so thanks so much for sharing that. And I think, um, I guess to wrap up that point, how, um, I guess from African-Americans to another population, are you seeing more of African-Americans doing these types of investments or are you seeing more of continental Africans? Like who, who is supporting or who is, I guess your biggest maybe customer when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, I'll say in Ghana, it's a healthy mix between the two, you know, Ghanaian diaspora and, uh, and, uh, the African-American uh, court, uh, a nice mix in Nigeria, it's more tiered towards Nigerian diaspora, which is a, a massive diaspora in itself. And, you know, I always like to point out this fact that, you know, in terms of remittance to the continent, $48 billion goes into the continent every year. And it's, it, it just keeps going up and up which shows you the power you know that the the diaspora has in, in uh, itself you know just sending money back uh but uh, as well half of that goes to nigeria right which is crazy you know 24 billion essentially goes to nigeria every year and about 30 percent goes towards real estate that's what some of the studies say right um And, uh, next in line is is Ghana at 3 billion, which is still substantial, but you can see the gap there. And so Nigeria in itself has a lot of power in its diaspora, right? And, uh, I think you see uh, that, that power being wielded very strongly, very soon, because that is very powerful, you know, $24 billion. And to be able to, you know, target some of that, those funds into specific industries, Uh, like real estate, but even other things as well. I think once that's able to be harnessed harnessed very well, I think Nigeria is ready to skyrocket because uh, a lot of the issues on the continent is also financing, you know, financing anything. People are very wary of investing in the continent because of perception issues. And that's just, that's not even uh, outsiders, even, you know, the uh, people sort of our own people as well. And, you know, that's for various reasons, right and wrong, right? Uh, uh, but it's, that's what's slowing things down. And, and at, at the end of the day, I, I do understand the perception, but I think it's time to maybe let go of some of that. At least things have changed since the, you know, the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years on the continent. And I do quite understand some of our, you know forefathers. Uh, um uh, and uh, etc who left or had to leave you know for various reasons it, it makes a lot of sense uh uh but I think now is a much better time than it was in the past to to, to, to bring that expertise and capital that you've accrued back there and utilize it to create wealth on on, on the continent
0: Wow well, quickly I mean there's just so many things that you've said like you touched on uh I mean I know you didn't say it specifically but that brain drain and potential brain gain, you know, as more of us, you know, go back home and share our expertise and our everything that we've learned. And, um, you know, with the opportunities that we've been given in a diaspora and everything else like that. You also talked about trust again, which again, is a very big issue. Um, And I think, like, even with elections, I was I was thinking about this, like, you know, as you as you are probably aware, Nigeria recently had a, you know, election, and it's like, things that are so simple or that we take for granted, you know, in the countries that we res- reside in, these things are like pretty much catastrophic in our homelands. And it's it's so unfortunate how something that should be as simple as that, we end up like going to like fasting and praying just to make sure that it's, you know, I don't know, that's another story. that I know we're not really prepared for for today, but I just love, love the fact that you touched on, you know, the fact that we as, you know, Those of us in the African diaspora, there's so much that we can do and there's so much that we have been doing, you know, with that remittance economy. And um, I guess, I mean, I don't know if you have a lot of information on this. I know you did say that a good amount of it goes towards real estate. But do you can you share some more about where um, where else the remittance is going to like how else is helping our people back home?
1: Yeah, it's simply usually uh, school fees, you know, health uh, um, and uh, food food is probably like a, a big, a big, big one. And so uh, it's typically for those, those aspects, you know, people people send money, you know, uh, the family needs something for, all right? right. And so that's, that's typically been, been uh, um, the spread. I don't know what the exact percentages are. I looked at mostly real estate, as you can imagine it. real estate, yeah. about 30%, right. But yeah, the rest of the money does go towards those places, school fees, food, health, uh, uh, um, et cetera. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I know that we, I guess, touched on this briefly, maybe in our earlier chat or, um, <clears throat> or even today, but I would say, um, you know, I've, with social media, as we've seen, it's really helped a lot as it relates to communicating information, you know, conveying the beauty of Africa, both to us as Africans, as well as to everyone else. But I think, you know, again, kind of going back to our childhood and you know, being an immigrant in these um, <clears throat> these systems that we find ourselves in, you know, at an early age is not, well, first of all, when you're a child, it's not easy to, you know, you're still discovering who you are. A lot of who you are is based on what your parents are telling you. And, you know, sometimes they have their way of thinking, operating that, you know, so that's, yeah. you know, but I think, you know, as we, of course, grow up into ourselves, mature, you know, go to school or just interact with different people. And then also just in general, I think the significant role that social media has played in kind of influencing, you know, as we hear about social media influencers and everything else like that. Um, There's this, there's quite a few um, people that I follow, you know, I'm Nigerian. So I follow a lot of like um, people who are doing great work in Nigeria, specifically, like kind of like with you, like with real estate back home, how to find properties, um, how to navigate life back home, how to, you know, if you want to relocate. It's something I've been kind of thinking about, not that I'm, like thinking about doing it tomorrow or today or tomorrow and like that but you know in the long term I would love to and I think many of us too like even our parents and you know our our families many of them who come over here you know to the diaspora most of them are not thinking that this is where they want to stay forever ultimately they would love to go back home but for many reasons that we've discussed you know today and just in general that we are are aware of it's not always the best or the safest option at the moment but, you know, it's always inspiring for me personally, just to kind of see, you know, the content that people are producing, like, you know, with your the video that we have in the background with the property tour. And like I said, some other people that I follow who have been doing the work, who've taken on those risks to kind of go back home and really develop a lot of these things from scratch. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I hate to say that it's unfortunate that it takes, you know, us kind of coming back home to kind of get these things going just because... You know, again, things back home are not always the way that that they need to be. But I would just kind of love to, maybe you can tell us a little bit more, why real estate? Tell us more about why real estate is like powerful, how you've seen its growth. And, you know, if you can tell us a little bit more about how the future might look in terms of real estate in Africa. Yeah, no,
1: great points. And, um, you know, I'll even just touch, before I talk about the real estate, I'll touch on the social media angle you, you pointed out, which is very, very interesting to me, right? And I watch a lot of YouTube, especially these days. And you know a lot of the big uh, YouTubers, Wadi Maya, Vanessa Cambi, Jasmine Amma, These are very famous names on YouTube who uh, showcase life on the continent. You're in a different light, and I think that is has been very, very important, very crucial. Not just for my business, but I think for the continent as a whole, uh, uh, it's been it's been extremely important. Um, and you find that even with the year of return i was just chatting with someone about this Uh, it really blew up when you know there were some african-american celebrities that came in 2018 you know as like a pre-year return you know filmed a lot of it uh put it on their social media and it you know it ends up on the shade room i don't know if you know the shade room but ends up there and other uh blogs or or instagram pages and then from there it blows up because people see it and are are just confused and are, are wowed by it because they can't really understand, you know, because, for f- and it's it's the same for a lot of people, you know. What you've seen, and you, you in the past, you almost believe it's today. It's what's happening today. It's in the present, you know. What was true back then, and it, I'm sure it, it might have been true back then, you know, but uh, uh, maybe or maybe not. But it's not true today, you know. The continent is not uh, is not ravaged by war and disease uh it's very cosmopolitan uh, uh there are a lot of very educated individuals you know across the continent and there are a lot of peaceful people across the continent as well and i what i like about when people come to ghana is that's one of the things they they it's really attracts them to the continent. the fact that you know they can go partying to whenever walk out on the streets whatever and you know relatively there's there's very little at least violent crime let me say especially in, in ghana right Uh, And so uh, um, these are some of the things that I think are important to showcase. And in terms of how that's, you know, attached itself to real estate, you know, I'm now these days involved in some very, very interesting conversations with various different types of individuals, uh, uh, um, you know, both local in the diaspora, you know, celebrities, bankers, uh, real estate uh, 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 folks uh, um, who are all looking at different types of opportunities, different ways to to invest in real estate, whether that be through a fund that they've created to finance uh, uh, um, the construction of developments, creating a syndication pool where people can put in, you know, a minimum of $10,000 to invest in developments, uh, buying up units, uh, uh, studio apartments for 75, 80, $90,000 and then work with a property management company to to rent it out you know buying a, an invest a, a home to retire in as well um and then even individuals coming in uh, um, i'm working with a group uh, a gentleman actually an african-american as well from chicago again no relation to ghana but although i, I will say he did just marry a Ghanian, uh, uh, uh last year uh, but he has decided to develop a 300-acre beachfront development in Ghana, right? So a master plan, massive community. And what's very interesting is that he's not the he's not the only one doing this. There's another gentleman uh, who's Ghanaian background, but uh, um, has been an architect in, in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, for a long time. Uh, this, is, this is doing the exact same thing—a 300-acre you know, beachfront estate. Uh, in, in Ghana, right? And, and they're both an, uh, um, an hour away from Accra, all the East and West, right? And so you find that there are various ideas happening, there are communities being created, and this is what real estate will provide. And uh, um, what, obviously, our, our task is to help drum up that demand uh, um, so to, to ensure that, you know, people sort of uh, purchase these units. But I think organically, that demand is being created, even outside of me. Right. And that's what that's what is very powerful about social media, about what we did with the year of return. And also just I think just uh, um, it sort of clicked with a lot of people as well. Perhaps Black Panther did it. Perhaps, you know, it's it's watching more documentaries or watching YouTube uh, and all of these things. But it's something that sort of clicked almost at the same time from various places. Uh, Obviously, some of it is also the racial tension. You know, that also occurs, you know, uh, in some of these countries. And, and I think it all just clicked at one point. A lot of people have decided that, you know, if they can, they're going to try and find their way to the continent and, and to Ghana, right? And so I think that's what's happened organically.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's very powerful. And I think, um, just to kind of summarize what you, their last point, I think it's just the importance of being able to tell your story. Um, because again, for so long, many of us... Um, from the content from the continent as well as um, let's say specifically maybe the African-american for example you're showed one narrative of what an African looks like or what Africa looks like and that can have lots of you know negative um things in the person's mind because again we already know the the role of media it can it's a very powerful tool and um you know given the right or the wrong hands it can You know really influence a person to think um either in a good way or a bad way so i think i'm happy that we're in a place where we um are able to come on camera and just talk about our experiences document our experiences in real time you know again social media live videos again as we saw during the pandemic and you know lots of things that were happening in the world um you know specifically in the us as, as we're aware of um you know george floyd and everything else um that happens in this country and just in general all over the world, we're able to see these things in real time. And I think, you know, as Africans, as continental Africans, I love the fact that we're able to also, you know, share our own stories and shed light on the positive things coming out of Africa through us and through, you know, those of us who are on the continent currently and and everything else like that. So um, just to kind of wrap up a little bit, I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about um, safety in Africa, like how people can prepare or i know of course anywhere you go in the world there's always going to be some level of you know danger depending on where you are um and i think it's just so funny because i know whenever i would travel people always tell me oh you know be careful this place is you know whatever and it's like when i got to those places i've and I've never felt safer in my life you like know. it was a great place to be so i would love to kind of hear from you like how people can prepare themselves or to maybe challenge that way of thinking and have a good time when they go back to Africa or when they go to Africa for the first time.
1: Yeah, so I've, I mean, very good perspective. I've traveled to a lot of African countries when I think about it now, I've been to Nigeria, you know, uh, South Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, um, and they all have their own sort of little beautiful things about them as well. And I'll say, you know, relatively sort of, uh, obviously I've never been through anything myself uh, but in terms of crime, in terms of, you know, looking at, you know, some places where there is a little bit of crime there, obviously, South Africa has had its issues uh, um, as well with, with some violent crime. And then Kenya, there's a bit more, maybe sometimes theft within those in those areas. And so you should watch out for that. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this, in Ghana and in Nigeria, for the most part, I think safest places in the world, you know, I, I, I will point put that out there for everyone these are two of the safest places in the world and so you know like we all like to say africa is a massive continent there are various different things happening in various different places and so uh definitely good to sort of make sure that perhaps if you can you know someone there you know so that they can guide you to basically avoid the bad neighborhoods because like everywhere else there are some bad neighborhoods that you should avoid uh uh uh, so that you don't sort of put yourself in, in a bad position uh, but but uh, it, it's, it's obviously, you know, I, and I like the question because it almost challenges me in a way, because obviously I'm trying to say that the, uh, Africa and Ghana in general is, is quite safe in general. And so please don't take obviously the, the media propaganda to really stop you from coming to the continent because you're afraid of you know wars or or, or anything uh, uh, crazy happening to you. Um, i'll say you know to a point that in a lot of, in, uh, in a lot of ways and i've been told this myself by african americans they feel much safer you know and this is coming from an african american themselves you know telling me that you know she felt safer she says she says i think what she told me was hey this club basically feels like uh, i forget which city actually cuz I, I don't want to be wrong which city it is now but feels like an, Af- an african american city i'm from right but much much safer. I think it was New Orleans, uh, as she said. It feels much much safer. The food is the same, vibes are the same, music is great, uh, um, similar to what I would get in New Orleans. But the main difference is at the end of the night, there aren't you know shootings or, or whatnot. And th- these are these were her words, right? Not even mine, right? And so uh, uh, it does tell you that it really depends on where you go to, and, and uh, um, 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 things can be very very simple there. But obviously, certain places are a bit more, you should obviously be a bit more careful than not inserting locations.
0: Yeah, thanks Kweku for kind of like giving us that. And I guess I have maybe two more questions and then, you know, i kind of give you the chance to like share a little bit more about how people can reach yeah. you. But if you can, let's say, let's say I'm, you know, just hearing about your company for the first time and I've been thinking about real estate in Africa or you know, just want to know how that process looks like. Could you maybe walk us through, you know, walk the listeners, interviewers through, like how that would look like, What, like what steps it would take to, um, you know, save money or put money together, or how does that look like for for someone who's starting the process?
1: Yeah, no, great question. Of course, first, first process is uh, visit our website at, at www.sessworld.global.
0: Uh, uh, you can
1: go there. We have lots of listings there and you, you can find uh, uh, what you need there. Um, and uh, through the website, you can obviously make a request and we'll reach out to you within 24 hours uh, um, um, and basically walk you through the process, right? And so at times individuals want to do a virtual tour or we can, what typically happens is that we send them a lot of, you know, brochures and information on the different properties ahead of time that they can review that and, you know, get on a call with them, understand, you know, what they're looking out for, what uh, um, what their goals are um what their budget is um and then uh uh, what locations you're looking for Uh, and then from there you know once we find a place and we'll do some virtual tours if you're away from town if you want to wait for we can also wait for you to come into town as well and look at the units of course um and uh um essentially we'll 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 just run you through the process of visiting the properties and then from there once you're okay with it you know you've done all your checks ready to pay Um, um, it'd be good to always do some due diligence on the property, check the land documentation, check if the, you know, the land is in court, you know, et cetera, you know, so that everything is on the up and up once you're okay with that. Um, I'll say the mortgage market on the continent is not great. It's something we are actively working on. We've got some partner banks who are putting out some diaspora products, although typically Diaspora means to the banks, Ghanaian and Nigerian diaspora. Um, and so that, that's typically what it means. Uh, although we are working on solutions for African-Americans and the wider diaspora as well. Um, and uh, um, um, But there are also payment plan options where you can pay over usually two or three years. That's usually the average. Uh, you can pay for the property over two or three years, right? So, so it, it helps you with that extension. Um, and so, that's that's typically the process for it of course we can connect you with lawyers property management companies banks as well throughout that process where it's necessary and where needed uh, um, um, and a property management company to help you manage it as well uh, and so that that's typically the process for, for for purchasing a property
0: awesome now now quickly i will tell you i am known for my two-part questions sometimes three-part questions So I know that I said, this is probably the last question, but it has several Ah, legs to it. (laughs) So the first part of the question is, which I know, obviously, we can't predict the future. And I think you did touch on it a little bit earlier. But how does the future look in terms of, like, you know, long term, maybe let's say 10, 15, 20 years? Do you see more um, continental Africans moving back home as well as um, African diaspora people, you know, resettling to the continent, whether it's for maybe... Like some people who might do like a half a year like maybe six months or more yeah. going back and forth or like a full-time moving and i guess the second part to that question is for those who have moved already like let's say african-americans for example how are their experiences i know you obviously can't you don't know everyone but how would you say their experiences are so far in terms of like relating with the everyday continental um, african
1: yeah no great question so um um, you know, what I see in the future in terms of, and I think you're exactly right, it's going to be that mix. So, you know, what COVID did in a lot of ways, obviously COVID was terrible, terrible, but in a lot of ways as well, what it did is it opened our eyes to a, a certain type of future where people are, you know, working from home a lot more, you know, not every job, some jobs obviously require you to be on the ground and maybe it's good to be, you know, in an office from time to time for cohesion, et cetera, meet each other. But there are a lot of jobs that can be done, you know, virtually. And what that did, you know, really was, you know, a, a, a lot of people actually lived in Ghana, you know, during that time, you know, they would come for vacation in December and then stay for six months, you know, during COVID, right? That happened quite a bit, right? And uh, and I think, uh, really, the climate is a big part of it as well. Let's be very honest, it's very, very big part of it. And that's why I say we are blessed in a lot of ways to have sun all year round. Um, and uh, you find that there are jurisdictions you know like bali etc places like that in the caribbean who are you know allowing for people to work from home and even creating visa programs for these type of people i think that's part of what the, con- the continent should also latch on you know where people can get you know visas to you know work from home in ghana right extend extended visas i think that would be uh, something that would be very very beneficial uh, um, to a lot of countries on the continent um, I also believe what's going to happen, and I already touched on retirement. I think that's going to be the biggest one, the biggest influx of people who actually stay for a long period of time is, is those who are looking to retire. Because, you know, folks who have saved, let's say, you know, 250000 to a $1 million in their bank account uh, uh, for the most part or can afford some type of unit and can have enough cash to, especially if they're getting, you know, pension payments and whatnot, you know, can live off that for a good period of time in Ghana. You know, the dollar is much stronger than the city, for sure, right? Uh, And I think that will be the most realistic push to the continent. Those two groups of folks who are individuals who can work from home, and then people who are looking to retire. I think what will likely more happen with, Let's say uh, middle-aged uh, folks is uh, a lot. A lot of the investment units. So people in uh, uh, um, investing in units uh, that can be put up for Airbnb. And I'll note to you that actually Ghana is the num- fast, the number one fastest-growing country on Airbnb. And I was told this by by folks from Airbnb. Uh, Nigeria is number three actually as well, or top five. Uh, um, wow. um And so that shows you that there's. A massive influx of people coming in during their vacation periods to Ghana, right? And it'll it'll start spreading a lot more throughout the year, especially the summers. I think that the summers are not looked at as much, but it'll, the summers will also become quite big in in the continent as a destination uh, uh, as a destination for a vacation, and that will grow the Airbnb short term rentals, and so that will then spare more in, uh, people to purchase investment units. Right, that they can sort of put up for for Airbnb, and so that's where I see it. You know, in the say short to medium uh, medium term, I think that's where it's going to shift towards those those three angles. Um, and then I, I what I hope for in the long term is that you know uh, is that brain gain. You know, and so you know those folks who start working from home and are living in Ghana, Nigeria, wherever, you know, or the retirees, etc. Right or even people who've invested in the continent right now you all have a vested interest in the country and what that does is now you're going to put your brain power and your capital to use because you are in that particular country and that's really what happens you know i like to always point the story i heard about um the president of rwanda you know and his his early days when He realized that if he didn't have a fancy hotel no one was going to come to his country and if no one comes to his country no one is going to invest and he did a lot trying to get money in from you know all the various organizations but they all told him buying a hotel is a waste of money you have bigger issues you know out there it's a waste of money Uh, but he decided to build the hotel himself you know they built the hotel as a government and they sold it off for a profit very recently as well And, you know, that was the best hotel in the country for a period of time. Now it's probably the fourth best, right? Uh, There are better hotels that have come in after the fact. Uh, And the thing is that if, and it's a great hotel, I've stayed there as well, the Serena. Uh, um, But if he hadn't built that, you know, people wouldn't come there. And if they don't come there, they have no feeling towards the place. You know, you know, you can talk and talk and talk about it to someone in your face. But until they land there very hard to speak the same language about the place right uh because it's about touching and feeling it and sort of talking to the people as well understanding and so i think what will happen long term though if obviously we can get this we can execute this first part very well is that there'll be a big brain gain into the country more resources you know uh, uh, and, and folks in there people willing to invest their time and money to grow the countries that they're they're in and i think that's that's really what's going to happen uh, o- o- over that period of time right and uh yeah sorry, i do not remember the other questions but i, I <laughs> think that yeah, sorry, i
0: was growing up no worries at a point i had a point to make where i forget it now, sorry <laughs> no no you did an excellent job i guess just really quickly the second part of my question was um so far you know from your experience and i know kind of was talking to people on ground how has the how have the interactions been like with african americans for example with those on the continent like how are are they getting along well like how does that look like
1: that's a good point that's a good point and that's also uh, um you know a, a, a socio-economic you know can be a social economic problem you know if there isn't a good mix mm-hmm. as well because although we are all brothers and sisters we have been you know torn apart for the most part uh right. um and are now sort of we we see a lot of the similarities with each other uh, but of course, you know, at times as well, there there are differences with the way in which you know we're brought up, we think about the world, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for the most part, it's it's matching quite well. You know, what you find is you know, and obviously, it might also depend on country to country. Maybe Ghanaians are just more agreeable people as well. You know, <laughs> mostly, right? You know, uh, uh, and so I like to joke around uh, any issue, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, I think it's what I usually hear. Obviously, the common things, you know. Why, why is the food taking so long, you know, why are there potholes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what i yeah, yeah, yeah. those, those right. are the, the, the common things I hear, I, I think, you know, I, I will say this though, um, um, uh, uh, and of course, you know, sometimes there's some bribery issues on whatnot. although I think sometimes they like that, I'm not going to lie to you, they like that they can just pay for something Okay. fast track it and <laughs> uh and, and move forward you know i pay you something, this something for the boys you know forward, right. right uh uh but i i think what we have to look like uh really strongly at though is not to create two different classes of people right mm. and i think that will be the the if that's why it needs to be executed right because at the end of the day yes what i want what i let's say even i personally i'm envisioning or would like to see you know, in the medium term is, you know, you're creating some great developments where diasporans can come live there, invest, etc. But what I want that needs to do is create jobs in and around it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, which, of course, then locals can then also gain uh, an income where they can rent or begin to sort of build or buy their own more affordable homes, which is usually the issue. Like what is really affordable? And at the end of the day, people need to make money to a certain level because how cheap can you make a home is is the question usually or a good home. Let me see. Right. And you really, the cheapest I've found a good enough home is about, you know, 35, $40,000. Right. Uh, And you know, that's still not very cheap for a lot of people at all. Right. Most of a lot of people in Ghana, 50% cannot afford that today. Right. Um, And so what you will need to do is create jobs in and around it. And so people buy more real estate living in Ghana, Will create organically jobs and then from there it's about creating real industry right and i think that's still diaspora right and so you know whether it's investing in building a plant doing something tech related you know even getting into politics whatever it is you know if if you are there to then uh uh, serve the country then it helps so what you want what you're hoping for is you're getting some good people with you know uh, uh good in their heart to invest in, in in Ghana to live there and then to then sort of, you know, try and even selfishly for their own benefit, try and get the country to a much higher level as well. And what you hope that does is it creates also um, the elevation of the, of the locals as well, you know, so that there are not two different classes because definitely what you don't want is two different classes of people where you can where, you know, you hear uh, an accent or whatever, and you almost then assume that this person has a lot, lot, lot more money than you do. Right. And that's what you don't want. Right. And so I think that's what we have to look out for. Yeah.
0: Man, quick, I mean, I think this was like a very powerful conversation. Like you've shared so much insight that I didn't even think about. Like even that last point about being careful about not creating, you know, different classes of people. Yeah. Um, cause I know, you know, again, even for those of us, like when we go back home, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's, it's the same for you, but like for me, obviously, my accent doesn't sound too much. Like, you know, I've been here. I I came here when I was a kid, when I was four, so I've been here for a long time now. So going back home, my experience and the way I might interact with people back home, they would probably still treat me very much American. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I know definitely be worse for those who you know, <laughs> um, you know. So yeah, I mean, that's 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 powerful. I love that, and I I would love to you know really continue this conversation you know, at a different point as you, you know, get more research and as you kind of continue doing what you're doing. And I just want to give you kudos for what you're doing. I think it's amazing. Like I've told you before, and I know as we're wrapping up now, could you just kind of, I guess, tell, you know, our listeners and our viewers, you know, how they can uh, connect with you. Um, You know, I know you told us about what the next steps would be as far as like, you know, going to your website and everything, but if you can just maybe leave with, leave us with a few, um, maybe words of wisdom or anything that you might want to say, and then you know how they can connect. Yeah, I
1: don't know how much wisdom I have. I'll try. I'll, I'll try. Um, but uh, no, thank you very, very much for this opportunity, and uh, you know, thank you to your audience as well for listening. Um, for for me, um, it was you know almost like an epiphany that you know t- told me that you know really at the end of the day, you're you're supposed to be in you're supposed to be in Ghana in particular. You're supposed to be in the continent as a whole. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm very happy that, you know, I, fi- I finally really got to see the beauty of it. You know, I, I did, you know, I, I had a great childhood and you forget that sometimes while yearning for something else, <clears throat> uh, you, you sometimes forget what's, what's out there for you. And certainly the content has a lot of, a lot of issues. Uh, let's be very real. Uh, but those are all opportunities as well. Each, each and every, each and every issue there. And so, For me, uh, um, and to you all, obviously, I am very focused on real estate. There are a lot of different sectors there. uh, But I think real estate is a core, core issue. Uh, um, And, uh, you know, I I will say that every day, um, once you solve that issue of land, I think you pretty much solve pretty much all issues, right? Once people are able to utilize their land efficiently, you know, it creates wealth Um, And it also creates a certain level of order that allows people to to do what they need to do. I'll I'll give one example of of this, which people don't even think about. But one of our investors, a Japanese individual, in his previous job, he was working for a manufacturing company that was looking to set up a plant in Ghana. It took him two years to find land. That's because he would go find land and he realizes uh, it's in court or he would find land and there'd be some legal issue. And so that took, it took him two years to finally. And I not I'm actually not even sure if they even went through the project, right? We, after two years, people get tired, they get over it, they, they, they don't want to continue. Right. And so that, that is what creates this perception over time where then, you know, maybe 10 years from now, that the same investor might want to do it again. They, they might want to create a plant and he might say, you know, forget about it. You know, I tried this two years ago. It was too much work. And so I'm not going to do it again. And so we want to change that narrative and that perception, uh, through real estate. And I think f- once you get solved that, that aspect, you know, I, I think, uh, the, uh, uh, we solve a lot, of lot of issues. So, um, yeah, you can obviously, the website is right there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find my name there. You can find me on LinkedIn or info global as well. You can find us through there. Um, and, um, again, really thank you, thank you, thank you very much for the time. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing anyone, any of you in, in Ghana, maybe at some point, uh, or in some other African countries. So uh,
0: um, yeah, cheers. <laughs> thank you so much, Kwaku. And I don't know if you are comfortable uh, signing us off in your language. What what language do you speak? What's your native uh, I
1: speak tree, I speak tree.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, can you sign
1: us off, and tree? Okay. Okay. uh, uh super <laughs> and Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Okay. Etusan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey bat family thank you so much once again for tuning in to today's episode i hope that you enjoyed our conversation today i would love to know your thoughts and any feedback that you may have on this particular episode this particular topic please feel free to leave us a voice message or you can comment on our promo image you can find us on our instagram at building africas future please go to the links in the bio to find out about how you can purchase our new merchandise we do have new shirts available for $25 all the way up to $30 we would love for your continued support thank you for listening thank you for sharing and as usual I hope that you stay well thanks bye family